notice that everything you ever thought would make you happy ever after didn't? Ooh, me too. It turns out Sean Cassidy was not my soulmate. Orgasms only last a few seconds and money does not buy happiness. Hi, I'm Dr. Cheryl Fraser and welcome to Sex, Love and Elephants, the weekly podcast where we explore relationships, mind and the meaning of life. A place where you are normal if you feel like something's missing, even though you have it all. Because guess what? Happiness is an inside job. How do I know? Well, if a Buddhist nun and a sex expert had a baby, I'm it. I'm a psychologist, sex therapist, and author. I've meditated for 12 hours a day for months at a time. I've studied Tantra in Tibet, and I've taught for people like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield, and helped thousands of couples reignite passion. My mission with a loving heart is to kick your ass off the couch and into awakening. And here's the secret. If you want to cultivate wild love that lasts, compassion and curiosity, and the superpower of being happy for no reason, first, you've got to meet your elephant. So let's go. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to August. Here we are, first pod in August. I hope you enjoyed last week's challenges. I, of course, am Dr. Cheryl Fraser, and let's jump right in. As is the theme this summer, I'm giving you some challenges each week to help increase the thrill in your relationship. If you're puzzled about what thrill is, check out last week's episode where I talk about the passion triangle, the three keys to passion being intimacy. That's the communication, conflict resolution, really the big boat of importance that keeps your relationship going through the rough waters. If you don't have a depth ability, and a lot of us do not, I still work on it to talk really deeply about important things, tough things, to resolve conflicts in a skillful way, at least some of the time, to repair after fights and everything else. It's really hard to work on the thrill, which is the fun, romantic, crazy, delightful part of your relationship, or the sensuality. I'm going to be answering a couple of questions on sex and sensuality today, the third part of the passion triangle. These are the three things I teach in all of my work and all of my programs, and you'll hear more about that as we go along. But I'm working on thrill with you this summer by giving you challenges, fun, sometimes silly, sometimes a little crazy challenges to do with your sweetheart this summer. You can download a relationship game card. It was for June, July, and August. You, of course, can go back and do the earlier ones as well. But for the coming week, here are your challenges for the great relationship reconnect game. When you do any of these, take a picture, send us uh, your picture, your selfie, or send us an email. Tell us how it went because we're giving away prizes each and every week. I haven't said what the prize is, but what it is, is my uh, friend and colleague here, also called Cheryl, ironically, is an artist and she's designed some incredible cards for my students that become passion students. That's the name of my program, my three-month program I'll be offering again this fall. And they're beautiful cards and they all have a romantic saying about your relationship. One of them is make your love life a hobby, which is the theme of the relationship reconnect game. So every week we're going to pick one of you that engages and sends us an email about it to hello at drcherylfraser.com. We're going to send you those beautiful cards. You can write erotic stories and share them with your sweetheart. Okay, so your challenges for this week. This makes me uh, somewhat ridiculously happy is that August 8th is 
bowling day. Uh Uh-huh. That's tomorrow. I challenge each and every one of us. And I pledge to do this with my sweetheart. It can't be this week because the week you're hearing this, I'm on a meditation retreat on a different island out of contact with my hubby. But I promise that sometime this August, we will go bowling together. In fact, we watched a movie. No, it wasn't a movie. It was the Netflix show, uh, Sex Education, which I get a kick out of. But please don't take most of the advice of Otis's mom. It's very bad advice, a lot of it, except the odd time she gives good advice. Anyway, no, her advice is good. Her parenting of Otis is terrible in terms of his sexual development. It's a great show. It's a lot of fun. And in it, two of the couples, a gay male couple and a currently heterosexual couple, went on a double date and they went to a bowling alley. And I looked at my sweetie and I said, we should do that. We've bowled together, I think, twice in the 10 years we've been together. And both times we got a real kick out of it. So why not tomorrow, everybody? August 8th, National Bowling Day. Find a bowling alley. Go left your asses off and make sure you kiss each other whenever one of you makes a really good or a really bad bowl. (laughs) I don't know what the verb would be there. Whenever you throw a good ball or a really terrible gutter ball, have a kiss, have some fun. And then we've got on the ninth this week, it's Wednesday, right? Is uh, National Book Lovers Day. Whether or not you like books, I have a challenge for you. I want you to find an erotic story. You can Google erotic stories and probably there's some wonderful free content there or your own erotic story you can write and read it out loud to your sweetheart, ideally naked in bed while you're eating uh, chocolate covered strawberries. So there's a twist on National Book Lovers Day. You think of books, book as people is boring, right? Well, it's a fantasy of all of us to have a sexy librarian of whatever we're appealed to, be that female, male, transgender, or whomever, buttoned down in their business suit and their glasses and their hair tied back or whatever, or their hat on. Whip it all off and show us the sexy librarian underneath. So let's sexy up. National Book Lovers Day. Ah, oh, my friend, the librarian might get a kick out of what I just said. All right. So today I'm going to talk a bit about the third side of what I call the passion triangle, the three keys that exceptional couples need to cultivate to have a great relationship. And this is sensuality and sexuality. So I want to talk about low sexual desire and arousal. And I'm going to talk about it reasonably briefly, you know, within the context of this podcast, but I want to put some ideas out there. We can talk about it a lot more as we go along. And I spend four weeks in the Become Passion program and I coach people every week in, in group, answer your questions, et cetera, on these topics because they are difficult. They're often entrenched. They can be very painful and it's not a quick fix to becoming more turned on and more aroused, but I'm going to read you two questions that came in and they're on a similar theme from a different side. These are both from females in a heterosexual relationship, but I get them from all genders and all people all the time in my programs and through the podcast and through my love bites, et cetera. So this one is from Deanna. And Deanna says, hello, I've been married for 35 years and we've definitely had ups and downs. Recently to save our relationship, we did a 30-day challenge. It was helpful, but my husband was skeptical. We're in a much better place right now, though. The problem is I have a high libido, so the female has a high sex drive. Not at all uncommon, by the way. A lot of the times when there's a sex drive mismatch it's the in a hetero couple, it's the woman who has a higher sex drive than the man. Don't believe the hype. It's wrong. The problem is I have a high libido and my husband doesn't. He also suffers from some erection difficulty. 
I can stimulate him to get him semi-erect and even ejaculate with oral sex, but he isn't hard enough for penetration. I find this stimulating and erotic with a little clitoral stimulation for me. I'm happy. The problem is that I have trouble with disappointment. And when I make a suggestion for sex and he turns me down, he says, he says, maybe, which actually means no. He later says, I don't want to have sex all the time, which is actually only once a week. I know my disappointment isn't helping, but I am disappointed. Suggestions. So here we have a couple with a current desire or arousal mismatch, right? 35 plus years, used to have a better sex life. He's got some erection difficulty. She's got a higher sex drive. What do we do with that? And then here's a second question from a different point of view. This happens also to be from a female. I'll just use the initial T for her. She said, hi, Dr. Fraser. I really love your content and have been browsing some of your videos and just ordered your book. I'm really glad she ordered Buddha's Bedroom because of her question. Buddha's Bedroom is a, is a, is a good resource for her question. One of your videos discusses the idea of creating mental arousal for yourself, even when you may not immediately feel in the mood. I like this concept, especially because my husband and I are both physicians who work long hours and are often tired when we get home. Who can relate to that? Physicians or not, certainly we often are tired when we get home. We're mentally worn out. We've made a lot of decisions all day. And it's not like the body is like, yippee, yahoo, feeling super horny right now, is it? Back to T's question. These factors don't exactly contribute to sexual desire on their own, meaning being tired and overwhelmed. I, however, do have a history of some sexual trauma. Briefly, she told me there was a previous relationship she was in, a committed relationship, and that person assumed she should have sex with them whenever they wanted, and she sometimes had sex when she didn't really want to. So she says, as you might imagine, this has created some really complex feelings for me around the idea of creating my own arousal. I also put a lot of pressure on myself to want to have sex with my husband, and I feel a lot of guilt when I don't. This can be very triggering for some of these past issues from my previous relationship. Do you have any resources that would help explore and work through some of these feelings with my background? I'm very open to suggestions. Thanks so much for your time. T. Well, Dr. T, thank you so much for your question. All right. So you're hearing we have two different points of view here. One 35-year-plus marriage. She has a really high libido. Husband avoids sex a fair bit. He's got some erection issues. She's quite happy to stimulate him with her hand or her mouth, I presume, so he can ejaculate, and that's pleasurable for him. She's happy to then be clitorally stimulated and have an orgasm. She's happy, but he's tending to avoid it. On the other end, we've got two busy physicians that are tired. One of them, the female in this case, has a background of having sex when she didn't want to with a a previous partner who pressured her. And so she's got an ambivalent relationship with her own desire, her own arousal. This is basically three months worth of content right now in these two questions. But for today, taking the first one from Deanna, you are having sex once a week, sometimes twice a week, which is above the national average. Don't believe the studies that say everybody's boinking three times a week. Maybe in college you are, and probably you aren't then either always, not for long periods of time, but whatever. So you're doing some things really right already. The first is that you're not allowing erection difficulties to dictate your relationship in that you're ceasing to be erotic at all. So I'm really proud of you for that. I'm proud of your guy for that. Hugely, give him my kudos. Secondly, you're doing something that my colleague Barry McCarthy does. Uh, he teaches a class in my program as well on good enough sex, which is reevaluating our view of what sex needs to be, where we need to get to and how we need to get there, which we all, I repeat, all of us are going to need to do as we age, as our bodies change. And 
even from like when you're 18 to 28 and so on. You might have a new baby when you're 28 and you were a horny monkey at 18 and now your sexuality changes. So wherever you are in your lifespan, dear listener, your sexuality is going to evolve, change, kind of go through periods where maybe there isn't much sex drive, an incorrect term, but we'll use it for now, where there isn't much arousal and times where you're quite horny. Hormones, as I said, kids, pregnancy, work, work stress nursing an aging parent. Oh my goodness, sexuality is so complex. And yet society boils it down as though it's simple. Oh, you're just horny, you fuck and you move on. Sorry for the F word, but sometimes that's an important word to use to encapsulate that sort of feeling. Okay. So you're doing a great job by approaching sex with your partner who has some erection difficulty at all. More commonly, I I work with people who with either partner's sexual issues and we have all got them to some degree in our head, our bodies, or both, they just start avoiding sex altogether. So you say you're disappointed, though. Um, I'm trying not to be disappointed, but when when I want to make love and he says no, or he says maybe, I feel turned down and rejected. This is super common. It's really hard to put ourselves out there and to want to connect sexually with our chosen person and have them be uninterested or unsure, or maybe they're really tired or they're worried about their taxes and they aren't in that mood. Yes, I do teach in some of my videos. If you don't know what those videos are, you can go to YouTube or better yet, go to my website and sign up for my weekly love bites. And then you'll get a video and or a podcast link to your own email box every Tuesday. Love bites. Anyway, (laughs) in them and in my program, I take a much deeper dive into the concept of never say I'm not in the mood ever again. What that means is don't allow feeling horny or turned on to dictate whether or not you make love, which brings us to the second person, the, the female physician who says when she gets home and they're tired, they don't really have much arousal and she's got a complex history as we all do, meaning like she's normal about creating one's own arousal. So I'm blending together some concepts here that relate to these two very different questions, which is we have an idea and it's incorrect that we should feel horny, turned on or aroused easily just because it's important and we like sex and we like our partner. There are two types of sexual desire in the human body. This is wonderful work of some really important researchers, but it's best described in the book, in my opinion, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski, a sex educator. She describes this really beautifully, and, and I do in my work as well, I hope. But what we're looking for, what we wish for, what we long for is spontaneous desire. That's where we're spontaneously horny and turned on. We want to make love. We touch our partner. We kiss them. We say something flirty. We invite them to bed. And they're also suddenly, bing, spontaneously horny and have desire and want to have a lot of sex with us right then. Remember that? Most of us had a lot of that in the beginning. It's fantastic. But as bodies change and life changes and all the things we've alluded to here already, spontaneous desire becomes less and less common, at least if we're looking for the magic combination where the partner's turned on and we're turned on and we both want to go at it. So responsive desire is a type of desire that we need to create and it happens in response to circumstances. So the first couple where she's got a high libido and he's got a lower libido, they are making love, she's stimulating him, she's creating some desire for him by touching him, by making his penis feel good, by creating an erection, whether or not it's firm enough for penetration. And that's responsive desire. He's responding to the activity or the option 
or the choice or the sexy shower together and then becoming in the mood. So when I teach never say you're not in the mood ever again, what I mean is you're totally normal if you're not in the mood when it's Tuesday and you usually have sex on Tuesday or your partner gives you a wink and a nudge. Instead of then saying, no, no sex, I'm not in the mood, take a choice to say to yourself, what can I do to potentially get into the mood? What can I do differently? Can I say, give me time to finish the taxes, and then I'm going to have a long hot shower by myself, relax my neck muscles and stuff, and then I'm going to let you know, come on in with me, let's snuggle, let's soap each other up, let's kiss in the shower. I'm not sure how strongly the body will respond to wanting to be sexual, but let's see. And then we can go to bed and touch each other and stroke each other and see what happens. I know that's not as exciting or romantic comedy moment as hurling yourself at each other, kissing, and you're both wet and hard. If you're hetero, whatever body parts you have are super into the act and you have great sex. Sorry, don't shoot the messenger. That tends to happen a lot less for the majority of couples over time. So that's for couple one for now. This is a much deeper dive, but I just want to give some general information for everybody to help all of you in your own unique ways. Couple number two, different approach, two busy physicians, tired. She has some trouble feeling turned on. She feels a little guilty about not approaching her partner more. And she asked, you know, I really loved your video, Dr. Cheryl, about creating arousal, but I have some ambivalent feelings about it. So there, I want you to work on your own for a while. Yeah, I mean masturbation leading up to masturbation. I want you to work with your own mind around what turns me on and what does not turn me on. And you said you've ordered Buddha's Bedroom, which is my book where I bring Buddhist thinking and mindfulness together. I'm a Buddhist teacher as well, everybody that doesn't know that. Probably most of you do. That's what elephants means. We'll talk about that in other episodes. And a sex and relationship psychologist. And I bring them together in the book Buddhist Bedroom. And what I want you to do and all of you is to, in the latter third section, the last section, the sensuality section of Buddha's bedroom, I talk a lot about using your mind to get in the mood and using your mind to turn you on and choosing to explore. Basically, let's say you're a busy professional, you get home, your mind's all wrapped up in work, you're quite stressed, you're really physically tired, you're hungry, etc. Jumping into bed doesn't make much sense, but you can learn to cultivate, like let's have a nice meal, let's relax for a little bit, I often mention a shower because we have a two-person steam shower here that we like to use to relax and also get naked and, and fun in and have some sexy time together. Whatever it is, you can say rather than, no, I don't want to have sex, which is true and accurate. I'm not judging any of us for it. I don't feel like having sex. But when we leave it at no, we are neglecting such a beautiful, vital part of who we are as a couple. I'm not a numbers person in terms of you need to make love X times a day, week, month, or year in order to have a good sex life. That's bullshit, basically. But if the two of you attend to the sensual side of your passion triangle, the key is to make sensuality sacred and important again. What do you mean by sacred, Dr. Cheryl? I mean, it is important. It's more important than the physical pleasure of orgasm, which is also important. It's a way that we are different with our partner than anybody else in our chosen world if we're choosing monogamy. If you're not choosing monogamy, if you're choosing consensual non-monogamy or another model, that's great. Apply everything I said to your deal, for sure. Uh, I have no problem with that in theory. It often doesn't work well for practice for many people, but for some it works beautifully 
but I want to include everybody here always to the best of my ability. But if you're choosing monogamy, which is the primary objective of a lot of couples, a failing objective in many ways, then if you're not investing in your erotic sensual life with your partner, you're essentially not having partnered sex. So how do we create arousal when that's somewhat difficult toward our partner? Well, begin by also creating arousal for yourself, especially Dr. T, all of us. And what I mean is, uh, nights your hubby's not there or he's away or when he is there, what about you choosing to have a long, slow shower and just feel how sensually pleasurable it feels to have warm water pounding on your tight shoulders? attending, as I say in Buddha's bedroom, to the mindful sensation, the direct experience of how nice it feels to have water on your shoulders. Soap yourself up with some beautiful scented product. Enjoy the curves of your breasts. Insert your own body parts here. Enjoy relaxing. Work with your mind. You can use erotica if that's a turn on for you. Find erotic material, a book, a cheesy book like Fifty Shades of Grey or something maybe a little more elegant, whatever might turn your mind on after you get out of that shower. And then play with yourself, whether or not masturbation is a regular part of your own sexual routine. Play with yourself, turn yourself on. I have some mindful touch exercises in Buddha's Bedroom, the book, and also in the program I teach for couples. And work with what feels good. What happens when I can bring my mind into the direct experience of body touch? Because so often the mind is not in the mood. And there's lots of good reasons. We've already covered some of them in this episode. It doesn't mean you're crazy or weird, but it does mean that to jump into bed at that point, particularly Dr. T, who has a history of sexual coercion in a previous relationship where because she was in a committed relationship with that person, it was expected she'd have sex with them whenever they wanted. And she sometimes did when she didn't want to. So that creates some pretty complex feelings, as she's uh, wisely said, about this. So we take all of that pressure away, my love, by you creating arousal and exploring arousal and turn on by yourself. Whether you choose to then invite your partner, if he's home, into the bedroom with you at some point, great. If you're turning yourself on, you're more relaxed, you're more horny, say, babe, I'd love to make love. Get over here. Or as I said, explore this when he's not home some of the time. Let him know you're doing it. Let him know you're taking your sexuality and you're unfolding as sexual being. Seriously, it's important to you. He's deeply important to you. You want to have a more alive, erotic life together and say, I'm going to be doing some of this suggestions that Dr. Cheryl says on her podcast and in her book. And I'm doing it because I want to be a more sensual woman. I want to feel more alive in my body. And I absolutely want to share that with you. His eyes will light up. Also, I'd love to have the two of you in my program this fall. If it seems like something you might be interested in, check out the website, check out the wait list, and you can hear a bit about it, hear what other couples said. I've more than once had physicians and professionals in the program who are just so damn busy saving the world, aren't we all? That sometimes we forget to invest that type of connection and commitment in our own relationship. So I hope that helps for today. Answer a couple of questions and some of you are left wanting more saying, yeah, but, 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 and that's because my dears, these are really complex issues. That's why I have a three-month immersion program. For those of you that I'm your flavor, for some of you I won't be. That's absolutely beautiful. No problem. And you'd like to do a deeper, deeper dive with me, then you might choose to be one of the hundred couples I'll take through the program this fall. 
You'll hear about that if you're on the wait list or if you're on my Love Bites list, which you can join on my website. And I'll also announce it here on the podcast. But what I do, it'll be in the latter two weeks of October, most likely, I'll be offering some free online workshops for couples and some free uh, drop-in, ask me questions, couples programs. And you need to be on the wait list to, to be invited to those. And then for some of you, you might choose to join me on the program, which will run October, November, December into January. Don't worry, we take time off for the holiday breaks and coach you through. And then we finish up together in January 2024, which is a great way to start a new year, a new you with a more robust passion triangle. All right. That brings us to this episode's love bite. Are you ready? We're not trained robots who can be turned on just because we'd like to be turned on in this moment. We need to cultivate arousal. We need to cultivate desire and learn to never say to ourselves, I'm not in the mood. Never say that ever again. Instead, notice you're not in the mood. Take charge and explore growing into being in the mood so you can share this sacred act of sexual passion with your sweetheart. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sex, Love, and Elephants. But most of all, thank you for being part of this herd. If you enjoyed listening, please share this with a friend. And if you haven't already, I would love, love, love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player because it really helps all the other elephants find us. If you have any questions or comments or maybe an idea for the show or you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me directly at drcherylfraser.com, where you can also sign up for weekly Love Bites, science-based tips for creating love and passion that last a lifetime. Lifetime.